We are covered over with green beans, but it's kind of a nice problem to have. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, beginners learning subsistence farming using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make allness statements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of October the 6th. We knew at the start of the season that we were planting more green beans than we planned to use. Um, I don't know that we had any idea how many we were planting. <laughs> That's true. I think we're figuring that out now. Yeah, tell, let's estimate the size of the row, of double row, of green beans that we planted. And we've talked about this before. A uh, 140-foot row, we plant both sides of the row, so that means we've got 280 running feet of mm -hmm. green beans, yeah. which for an operation our size is a huge amount of green yes, beans. Yes. And what we found was that we uh, thought we had our largest crop of green beans back in August. I'd say the first, actually the first couple of weeks were a big crop, but we were only here to harvest the first week and a half. And then we went to California for a week. And um, when and we, we came and back. we had to miss some then. We missed some. Yeah, we, we could tell. I could just tell. But, but I used a lot of those beans that had dried up to save seed for next year. Yeah. So they didn't go to waste completely. But uh, I was surprised that we've gotten a second crop, especially a second crop as large and productive as we have. Yeah, this is sort of a boomerang crop that we are enjoying now, and it's a lot of fun to see it happening. And we should um, mention that we're snapping green beans as we speak. Yeah, you may hear a little snapping sound <laughs> on the uh, podcast, and that's because uh, even as we speak, we're doing what we always do when we have a little extra time, and that's snap beans. That's right. But uh, So let's talk about, I think we mentioned on a previous podcast that we had canned about 13 quarts of green beans. That was in the, probably around the... It's probably in August. It was, yeah, the last, the, the end of the first week of August. That's right. And, so... Uh, uh, then we put up some more the other day. So you told me we had at that time 33 quarts. Now we've total, since... total. Yeah, okay. we, we have canned a total of 33 quarts All since right. the beginning of the season. And we've since given away about five. Yeah. So, you know, call it 28 quarts that we have on hand. And we'll probably give away some more from time sure. to time here on out. So, yeah. Um, but what's interesting is, at least from the looks of things out there right now, we could probably do another canning session if we wanted to. I believe you, because they keep coming. Let's talk yeah. about what we've got out there. Okay. I know that um, a lot of what we're uh, snapping at this point are rattlesnake yes, beans. Yes, yes. But uh, the, the crop that has come on the most recently are Kentucky Wonder Um that is a crop that I, pl I planted. Well, let's just back up and say that at the beginning of the season, I planted some Blue Lake, which those have not done well. They've been, it was a, it was a bush variety. Didn't get very tall, didn't produce a lot. Then I planted rattlesnake bean. I'm sorry. Then I planted, um, I'm just going down the line. Then I planted Kentucky Wonder. Not as many Kentucky Wonder as I did rattlesnake, but a, a good many. And then finally, the lion's share of the bean, pole beans were rattlesnake. And so um, the the Kentucky Wonder 
the early on and in, even in the, especially, I guess, in the middle of the year when it was so, middle of the summer when it was so hot, we got practically nothing. Yeah, there really wasn't much of the Kentucky Wonder. Yeah. It's basically a rattlesnake bean story back yeah. in August. Yeah, but now, and I'm assuming it's because they like the cooler weather. They are coming on strong, and they're delicious. They're tender little things. And there are plenty more out there, as you said, mm -hmm. that uh, we expect to be harvesting soon. And yeah. you were just telling me today, we may not be done yet. There may be more blossoms forming, and we may see some more beans. Well, there are more blossoms forming. Whether or not they will have a chance to uh, come to fruition, fruition uh, before the cold gets them is another question. I don't know. Yeah, so we will watch that and mm -hmm. um, just sort of see how it develops. Right. This uh, whole operation of pressure canning beans is something that's new to us. This is the first year we've ever pressure canned, and yeah. now we've done two batches. We have no idea how these are going to taste. And I guess, yeah. you know, we probably should have opened a jar yeah. by now just to see, but we haven't. Before we keep doing because we've had all these other all the, had all these fresh beans, it seemed kind of exactly. silly to be well. It is eating canned beans when we had all these fresh beans, especially when we know just from experience of eating other people's canned beans that there's no substitute for fresh beans. They're going to taste better that way. They're going to have more nutrition that way. Um, you know, there's just that's the best thing you can do. But given that they're not going to keep all winter long. Second best thing, well, would be either freezing or canning. Right. But we don't have a lot of room left in our deep freeze. Yeah, and we knew from the start we don't really need to do something with our green beans that's going to require the use of the freezer. Because even before we had green beans, we knew we were short of freezer space. Yeah, and they take up a pretty good bit of room frozen. And, so. and obviously one solution would be, well, we need to get a bigger freezer. Uh, yeah. But um, you and I both feel strongly that we want to position ourselves in a way that minimizes our need for electricity. Yeah. And so we feel like the freezer we have, which is, I'd be afraid to guess cubic feet wise, but it's maybe six feet long and sort of the normal chest size yeah, freezer. Yeah, kind of a standard deep freeze that most people yeah. get. Um, and that's, that's about as big as we think we will ever be able to justify trying to power all mm -hmm. year. So yeah. uh, I, I don't think either one of us has a great deal of interest in increasing the size of our freezer. Yeah. We just need to figure out how to use it as efficiently as possible and use it only for those things that only it will work mm -hmm. for, but like that stew that we make. We make a lot yes. of soup that has meat in it and therefore does need to be frozen kept and, frozen and our fresh vegetables one reason we make a lot of stew and store it is that is one way to put up fresh veg for the winter is exactly. to go ahead and make it into stew so and it tastes good too uh, but we since we do have the uh, why am i drawing <laughs> since we do have the uh, the beans we're having them at meal are is that what you're talking no. about the, Since the we do have the um, storage space, <laughs> <laughs> edit this out. <laughs> um, Sorry, since, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put that long pause in there and just let it sit there. <laughs> since we have a root cellar constructed ah, and a storm right. cellar, um, even though and we can't use it yet, it's not completed. But it will be in time for, I'd say, most of these beans to find their home there for the for the winter. Uh, since we're investing in having a nice storage space like that, 
we might as well stock it with as many canned goods as we can prepare. Sure. It works well for canned goods. And one of the things we figured out is canned goods, really, they have some fairly strict requirements. You don't want to have them in a place where they're going to get a lot of light, for example. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or or a lot of heat. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the root cellar will be ideal for that. It really will. And, and you know, obviously, we've talked about the fact that we are producing more food than we can eat, and we're always happy to give it away to people. Um, we're, we don't have any idea at this point how many quarts of green beans we need to get through the wintertime in order to supplement our diet and not have to buy food at the grocery store. You know, last year, if I wanted green beans... I went up to Winn-Dixie and bought some. But mm-hmm. I'm hoping that this year we've frozen a good many tomatoes. We've frozen some peas. We've frozen um, some uh, other vegetables. but and, and, of course, we've canned a little bit of okra the other day. We should probably talk about that, too. Um, yeah, so far the jury's still out on our canning okra. We're not yeah. quite sure we did that right. For reasons we don't quite understand, the the moisture seemed to boil out of the cans of okra. Yeah, it was really strange. It's and, very viscous in there. And got the um, green beans sort of sticky on top because it was on top of the green beans. So mm-hmm. we're not quite sure we did that right. But we do have those two cans, of, two jars of canned okra. Yeah. Well, and, and that's another crop that's still coming in, but we could probably do a whole podcast on that, too. Um, Your okra at this point, I would estimate, is like 11 feet tall or so. It's just monstrous yeah. out there. Uh, and still producing pods. We have followed the admonition of um, somebody at Master Gardener who said the okra needs to be kept well-picked. And well, you know, we learned that even before we did Master Gardener. I who think was it who told us that? I think when we first planted okra, the, the seed packet said that. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> well, we've been keeping it well picked. We, we pick okra nearly every day and have either okra or green beans or both at nearly every evening yeah, meal yeah. now. Along with some fresh tomato. Uh, and yeah, fresh tomato. And for months, it was fresh tomato and cucumber. And cucumber, that's right. But, but the cucumber, cucumber is finally gone. We bid farewell to the cucumber. Yeah. We still have peppers. Mm-hmm. We still have eggplant, and uh, some lima beans out and, there. And we still have all those sweet potatoes in the ground. I know. And we need to get to them soon and harvest them. And and we will. Yes, before the first freeze, we we must do that. Right. Um. But uh, so well, anyway, the plenty to still eat, and and of course we have we talked about this before too. We actually have um, stored some of our winter squash. I'm actually storing it in the apartment right now, in, in uh, advance of having the root cellar completed, just to keep it again from getting too hot or sun on it and that kind of thing. But we will have some winter squash. Lost the pumpkins this year because of squash bugs, but we still have some uh, orange vegetables that we can eat between the sweet potatoes and the, and the winter squash. That was one thing I learned in that uh, Master Gardener class. I um, helped with refreshments today for the Master Gardener intern class, and Chip East was talking about fruit production, which, of course, was why I wanted to be part of it. Mm-hmm. But in the process of telling us about the fruit, he also mentioned that pumpkins are just really hard to grow this far south. He I did said not if know we that. were in Kentucky, yeah. pumpkins would make a lot of sense. But here in central Alabama, pumpkins are something you do just because, you, by golly, you want pumpkins. And is that 
because of uh, predator, you know, bugs and too hot, too hot, too hot okay. and humid for them. Okay. They really would much prefer a, a climate more like what you find in Kentucky yeah. or Virginia or something like that. Well, I guess I am one of those people who just want some pumpkins. So, and last year we had some. I'm determined to make it work. I just have to figure out what to do in the future. All right. But well, this year was a bust. You keep beating your head against that wall, Farmer Borden. <laughs> maybe you'll figure out how to do it. Right. Well, I'm hoping that by planting them even earlier than the, you know, the, the um, planting guide for central Alabama says not to plant them till July. Well, by the time July came along, even with row cover out there, the squash bugs were so firmly entrenched that the poor pumpkins just didn't have a chance. So what I might do, again, it may be just as foolish as what I did this year, is to plant them much earlier along with any other squash that I plant. And, um, of course, the problem is they will ripen earlier and then it'll be hot with that fruit trying to set out there. So that may backfire. But if I can get past squash bugs and get the vines to survive, we may at least get some production. We'll see. That's right. We'll let you uh, play around with that and see if you yep. find a successful way to do right. it. Right. Well, let's talk a little bit about that deer fence. I am pleased to report that the deer fence is finished, by golly. That's the deer fence that's surrounding the, the fruit orchard. Yes. This is a three-wire electric fence from McGregor, and I think I have not yet, no, I haven't yet posted that. I've more or less finished writing it, but I've got some photos I need to drop in. Mm -hmm. And when I get those photos dropped in, then I will be ready to um, publish that. And I'll try to do that in the next day or two. But it's uh, it took longer than I expected it to take, not because of any problem with the product, but just because I, I made several mistakes. Oh. We figured out what I had done wrong and got it working. And now I'm pleased to say it's finished and doing its job, we hope. So we will see when we start uh, having deer around the property. Right now the deer can get plenty of muscadines, but uh, pretty soon they'll be hungry and we will find out then how effective that deer fence is. That's right. Well, we finished up with a little time to spare. Is anything else that occurs to you that we want to uh, talk about in terms of what's going I on around here? Maybe just to mention there's finally some progress on the lodge again. That the lodge is, we've, we've had... Um, an upsurge in activity between the um, Glad to concrete guy and our electricians came today. We've had our, a visit from the plumber, our framer. So uh, we've been told how to go and pick out tiles and whom to contact to pick out granite and flooring. So we feel as if we're somewhat back on track now. And I couldn't believe that in the middle of the conversation about the Christmas party for our church, you volunteered the lodge for next Christmas, not the Christmas 2012. of 2011, no. but Christmas of 2012. Hey, gives a, that gives us a deadline. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes You're you work right. better if with a deadline. If we have gotten it finished by then, we're in trouble, aren't right. we? <laughs> so we certainly hope that we will be able to um, offer the use of the lodge to all kinds of friends of ours who are, right. who are needing a place to gather and so forth. So 
yeah, you're right. It is ex- encouraging and exciting to see that moving now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still a big mess out there, but uh, we it's a big mess with pipes sticking out of it. So that's that's a step. That's right a direction. step in the right direction, yeah. and we're glad to see it. Yeah. Well, we're going to finish up with a couple of minutes extra, uh, but I think that's about all that's going on at this point. So um, we will sign off and hope that you have a pleasant week and look forward to visiting with you next week. Take care. You've been listening to Long Leaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. We'd love to hear from you. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the Daily Farm Log, check in with Lee and Amanda, and talk with other listeners. That's longleafbreeze.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.